Is it true it's supposed to be 70 degrees or something like that today? Tomorrow? What's it supposed to be today? I heard, I heard so many numbers at one time. It's like, I heard 675. You know that's going to be 62? I can live with that. My wife, Shanna, and my daughter, Grace, here in San Diego right now. And, oh, and they keep sending me pictures of the beach. And I'm having a hard time being, not being bitter and frustrated. So you can be praying for me. Um, wow. Well, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Um, not that I'm not, normally. But um, I know. I'm going to be, you, ever, you ever listen to yourself say that statement? I'm going to be honest for the first time ever. Um, we're going to go through some tough stuff. And it's, it's stuff to encourage us, not to shame us. It's stuff to, to allow us to really grapple with what the Lord uh, is, is wanting to walk us into so that we may become more like him. Okay? Does that make sense? And so this morning we have a, a, t- a tough passage in Hebrews 5. And this is my life verse, 14 especially, that solid food is for the mature. Now that's a big phrase, isn't it? Um, solid food is for the mature. One of the, one of the things that drives me nuts, because I say it all the time, and you ever hear yourself say something annoying, and you keep saying it? Or you, you keep saying something, you realize it's annoying. When you hear it from someone else, and you're like, I say that. Well, one of the things that I used to say all the time when I would walk into a church, when I would walk into a, a parachurch organization, or this or that, what I want to be fed, feed me. Who's ever said at one time or another, this place doesn't feed me? I'm not being fed here. Come on, be honest. A lot of us have said that, right? And I remember saying all the time, I would walk in in college, I was looking for a church all four years, trying to find a place I could connect with. And every time I left was, I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. I, 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 need, need, need. I, 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 want, want, want. What, 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 what's the problem there in that language? What? It's all about me, right? What I need, what I want. So the question is, what does God want for you? Sometimes you'll be called into a place, yeah, you don't feel it feeds you, but God is doing something there and wants to do something there in you and through you. So it can't be about what I want. It's got to be what he wants, right? I mean, because if we accept Jesus, if we give our life to him, then it belongs to who? Jesus. So he directs us, right? The last few weeks we've been talking about what does it mean to follow him into whatever area of life he's leading us into, instead of trying to drag him in. Who's ever tried to drag Jesus into your situation? (laughs) Almost all of us, right? And it's okay to raise hands, by the way, okay? Um, Yeah, I mean, we want to follow him into, because when we follow Jesus, everywhere Jesus goes, there's victory. Everywhere he goes, there's healing, there's wholeness. So why wouldn't we follow him into those places, right? But how many of you feel sometimes when you follow Jesus, it's really tough. It stretches you, right? One of the th- phrases I say all the time in my own heart is that as Christians, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'll tell you what, I always feel uncomfortable when I'm following Jesus because he takes me beyond my own understanding and what logically I would want to do. I don't understand sometimes when I don't have money in the bank, he's calling me to give more than I can give. Well, if my life is his, so is my money. And then I watch him bless, and then I'm surprised that he does it. 
Right? Have you noticed that? And so the Lord provides. He does all these things, but he calls us to follow him into those things so that we can receive the full blessing he has for his people. That's what he wants. So here in Hebrews, we have the author of Hebrews. We don't know who he is, and, but there's a lot of Pauline themes in there, so it could be a multitude of different people. But what we see here in this language is the milk and solid food. That pops out at us, right? Milk and solid food. How many of you are milk drinkers? Okay, great, right? I love milk. I do, it's true. I, I have a cup before I go to bed every night because it soothes me, right? So if we're looking at this metaphorically, right, it's soothing. It doesn't take a lot of effort, if you like milk especially, but to drink it. I look, I look at my daughter Gracie, and she's on milk moving to solid foods. She loves the milk. It's easy. Solid food's a little more effort. And usually it ends up on her chest rather than in her stomach. But it, it's easy. Well, I have a story for you. Yeah, sometimes when you drink too much milk, what happens? Comes out your nose? I love that one. That was a different answer, right? A milk mustache, okay. You, you can get sick, right? Feel, ugh. Well, as a, a, um, a youth director, I've been a youth director for a long time, and, or a youth pastor, and and I love pushing kids to the brink, you know. And one of the things we did about four years ago was I had a group of kids. Now, I'm, I'm going to warn you now, this gets graphic, okay? Not inappropriately graphic, but here we go. So I have four kids up there, trash bags on, ready to go. We got the floor, trash bags on the floor. We've got about 70, 80 kids there ready to watch this happen, and I've got to join them. So we have a, a carton of milk in front of us, and I want to wreck these kids. I want to I beat them really badly, so my pride's going 100 miles a second. And so we say go, and I, I wreck them. I finish real quick. But I look to my, to my left, and there are these two girls, and they're still trying, even though I've won, they're still trying really hard to finish this, and they're competing against one another. And this girl here goes, everything on this girl and then she goes <laughs> and this is the god's honest truth they were laughing so hard at all this one girl wet herself it's true and i got it on youtube all to say too much milk can be a bad thing right I know. Too much milk can be a bad thing. Here, the writer of Hebrews says, we ought to be teachers. And that, that needs to stick out to us here. We ought to be teachers. But oftentimes what happens within the church as a whole, I'm not saying here at Bridgewood, but with church as a whole, we become very comfortable with just sitting. Right? I mean, I can do this all day long. Well, probably not. I can't sit still. But... I can be comfortable, right? I love being comfortable. And the church really, if you look at it, has become comfortable. Not everyone, but a good portion, right? I mean, when, when people, let's say, out of our country, look at the American church today, do they see a transformational, kingdom-bound, Holy Spirit, Jesus movement? I would say it's safe to say probably not. 
It's because we become content on feeding on this milk. And Hebrews here in, in chapter 6, 1 through 3, describes what that milk is. If you'd follow along. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. These are good things. These are good things, but God wants to take us further and deeper. These are foundational understandings that we need so that we can be built up through the Holy Spirit and be equipped to equip others so that we never have to say, I ought to be a teacher, but I've been too comfortable in my pew. How many of you have, and I, we're, I'm going to be honest with you, I need you to be honest with me, okay? Is that all right? I'm not going to ask anything of you that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. I know in my life, especially right now, there are areas where I am on milk. Is anyone there with me? It's okay. Okay. We're in this together, right? Because we want to be the church we see in Acts, filled with the Holy Spirit, moving in power and authority, going out and making disciples, And to do that, we have to be intentional about moving from milk to solid food so that we may be mature. We have to, or else we will not accomplish the things God has called us to. He loves every one of us and has a a destiny for our lives. I know that sounds so mystical, and I don't mean it to be. But he has a purpose. Let's change it, right? He has a purpose for us, and for us to step into that, we have to be intentional about it. One of the things that annoyed me growing up, annoyed starting with that can be challenging, was my dad. Loved my dad, but he was always trying to teach me something. And he's a pastor, so you hear him preach on Sundays, you hear him preach at home. And he would always teach me about practicing. Practice, practice. And I want to say, in the Greek, this word means quite literally, instead of practice, conditioning. I like that word. Like the physical conditioning you would do to prepare for an athlete, a sport. Okay? How many of you have done sports in your life where you had to train hard? Is it fun? No. No! <laughs> no! She's got that authority voice you were talking about earlier. No, it's not. It's hard work. It's, it's really hard work. But the product, when we, when we, the outcome, when we follow through can be great, can't it? It can. So growing up, I, I would, you know, I'd watch movies with my dad. And, and when I was about six years old, we moved from Seattle. I was born in Seattle. And it was gray like this every day. Every day. I don't remember. I didn't even know sky could be blue until I moved to San Diego. And we moved to San Diego And then I got a taste of the beach for the first time and never looked back. I was in it all the time, all the time. And so anything about the ocean I wanted to be a part of, including movies. And they had this movie, and if any of you know it, please raise your hand so I'm in good company here. There was a movie called North Shore. Has anyone ever seen it? There we go. There we go. And it's a pretty bad movie, but just as far as quality. But it taught me some good things. And I was going to show a clip today, and then I watched the clips for like the first time in like 10 years. 
and I'm not going to do that to you. (laughs) But it's about a kid who is about 18 years old, 17, 18, and he's a surfer, wait for it, in Arizona. Now this, this presents a problem. There's no ocean in Arizona. He's the Arizona surfing champion in a, like, wave pool. Whoop-dee. So he thinks he's, he's just it. And he goes, they actually have a news crew at a wave pool in Arizona, which is weird. And he says, I'm going to Hawaii and surf in the big waves. He's going to the North Shore. Now, who's seen the waves on TV or something at the North Shore ever? They're huge. People die. There's a reef there. It's just crazy. You're talking about 30, 40-foot waves and about mm, three or four feet of water and then a reef. So he goes there, and the long and short is he's out of his depth. But he wants it. He wants it bad. So he's intentional about finding people that can help train him, and he finds this guy who's the top guy. But he, has no, he, he wants nothing to do with surf competitions. He wants nothing to do with that. But this guy still goes after it and finally becomes his apprentice. And he learns how to do all this stuff. But before he can get, even get out in the water, he had to do all these things he didn't want to do to train himself up to be ready. And little did he know that all those things had value and meaning when he finally got out in the water. And then it shows you've got like 16 surfboards, and the guy's going to train this kid on each one until he gets to the one the kid really wanted at the beginning but wasn't ready for. And so this kid goes and he surfs each one, each one, learns, learns the what the waves do and the tide and all this stuff. And at the very end of the movie, he beats the top guy in Hawaii because he understands not just how to surf, but he understands the ocean. He understands the purpose of it. He understands what he needs to do to put himself in the best position to get the best outcome. And through the entire scene at the end, you hear all these commentators. Man, he knows where to be, the right place at the right time. Now, does that preach or what? We can't just accept Jesus and believe in Jesus and sit down and say that's enough. Dallas Willard, who's heard of Dallas Willard? Okay. Dallas Willard is, is a brilliant guy. I mean, he's probably forgotten more Bible stuff than I will ever know. He's brilliant, and he's a brilliant um, thinker with the spiritual disciplines, and he says this about grace. He says, grace is opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. Let me say that again. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Now, some of us who who look at grace and we think it's a condoning word, a condoning, meaning like there's grace so I can get away with this or I can get away with that. That's not what it is. An example a friend told me last week that I really liked, he said, look at it this way. You're given a great, like say, piano, beautiful piano. You know how to play. You don't know how to play at all, but it's given to you. So you got this beautiful piano here. It's your gift. It's yours. Do you know how to play it? If you've never played, you don't know how to play it, right? So what do you have to do? You got to practice. You got to learn. You got to condition yourself. You got to learn to read music. You've got to learn muscle memory. You have to do all these things. The piano's still yours. It doesn't go away. But you have to learn and be intentional about learning so that you can develop your skills so that you can play beautiful music that we enjoy today. To me, in my opinion, that's a wonderful view of grace. Can't earn it, 
but we still have to work on our relationship with Jesus. Right? It's not about just believing in him and now I can live worldly. Now that, that's a problem because uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul uses the same language that we see in Hebrews. I want to read this to you. And this is what he says. He's, he's talking to a church in Corinth, a church, people that believe in Jesus who have um, lived a lifestyle of immorality. A lifestyle of it. And Paul addresses it, and you tell me if this sounds familiar. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual. He's talking to the church. But as worldly, mere infants in Christ. Ouch! I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Now, I don't know about you, but that would hit. That would sting. Here were the bearers of the name of Jesus, and one of the people we know to be one of his guys says to us, "We're worldly. We're not spiritual. We're not ready." for the deep things of the Spirit, because we're still living this lifestyle, thinking just believing in Jesus is enough, but he wants us to live in him. He wants us to be developed and equipped. And I got to say this, I believe, and this is what I have observed, is that Bridgewood has done a great job at moving towards maturity. The last few weeks, I don't know about you, I've loved this. We've seen wall-to-wall prayer ministries and people coming forward, stepping outside their comfort zone in order to engage the living Lord and engage those places of fear by following him into it and getting healing. I mean, who's been blessed by seeing that or you've, you've been a part of that? How great would it be to see this become something that is in the DNA of Bridgewood because we're constantly not just preaching but modeling and practicing. That's cool stuff. We need a place to practice, to condition, so that we have an idea of what it looks like on Monday through Saturday. But we can't do that if we decide to stay in a comfortable atmosphere and not leave the chair. We can't do that. We can't learn to use the gifts of the Spirit responsibly if we don't learn to practice and condition ourselves to do so. One of the things that we do is we abuse the gifts a lot of times because they're a tangible outcome of what Jesus does. And so sometimes we can worship the gifts. Sometimes people worship worship, right? Because music moves us, a lot of us, right? The words move us. And we say we can't be fed if I don't have good worship music. So we end up worshiping worship. Some people have a prophetic gift who haven't learned how to use it, so they just, whatever they see, They say on people without going through the proper channels of confirmation and asking the Lord, is this of you? And people get damaged because of it. It's unhealthy because we haven't practiced. We haven't conditioned ourselves in the way of the Spirit, in the ways of Jesus. We believe Him. We know it's true. Look at at money situations, right? When we don't have money, we panic. Where Where instead we need to press in and trust. That's practice. That's practice. Now, if I'm being honest with you, I have a gift of discernment, and it's been hard for me to say that out loud because my first inclination is always insecurity. So it's hard for me to confirm things that God has given me sometimes. So I'm practicing right now to receive, okay? So I'm I'm trying to model that right now. And so with the gift of discernment, you often see what's not right before you see what is right in a situation. 
And so for me growing up, I could always point out what's wrong. And then when I would communicate what I saw, what was I communicating, do you think? Negativity, right on. A student right here, right? Negativity. And it didn't breathe life into people. It didn't, it didn't edify the body. It brought destruction because I didn't know how to use my gift. I didn't train myself, be intentional about walking with Jesus to learn how to use that in a way that would edify the body, which is the whole purpose of the gifts, right? And so it took me a long time and a lot of broken relationships before I realized, God, how do I see the good? Show me where you are in this. I can see where you're not, but show me where you are. And so then I started to begin to learn how to encourage people. So I'm going to use Mark again. If I, if I said to him, you know, you look really pompous sitting there like that. That's what I see that's not right. I don't believe that, by the way. Just let you know. <laughs> he doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm just lashing out. <laughs> yeah. So if I say it like that, which I would have in the past, Something's not right. Not, not really with sitting, but if there's something not right, I would have said, he's probably like, don't talk to me. Right? Because he hasn't given me permission to speak into his life. But if I say, hey, you know, it's great to see you this and that, and you're doing great and this and that. I said, can I give you some feedback? I asked a question, right? I give you some feedback. And he goes, yeah. And I, and I say, you know, if you sit this way maybe a little bit, your back will be better. Your son's sitting here, so I'm... Your back will be better. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll take that. That was a healthy way. You see that? But I've had to train myself to do things like that. Just like we have to step in intentionally and say, God, how do, I, how do I do this thing? Show me. And there's Scripture teaches us. Holy Spirit teaches us. People that have experienced the body of Christ come around and they help us. Be intentional about that. But if we don't learn to be mature, the things that we, we try to understand that we don't understand or think we understand that we don't understand can be damaging. And it doesn't edify the body. Does this make sense? Do you see the importance of this? So, you know, I've often asked myself, where am I, where am I living on just milk? And so I'm going to be completely open with you about this. I've had to be alone all week and, and in solitude because my family's in, in San Diego, and I miss them desperately, terribly. And I hate being alone. I don't, I don't know how to be alone well. I don't, it's, just, it's just something because I'm terrified of what the Lord wants to say to me. <laughs> right? I'm terrified. Because it's one thing for me to know that he knows everything about me. It's another for him to point it out and have me confess it. Because now i got to be aware of it. And then if I'm aware of it, now i got to do something about it. And I know that in solitude, he wants to spend time with me, and I should want to spend time with him, but I'm terrified because I don't know if I want to be stretched. Because when I'm stretched, it's so uncomfortable. And then I don't have control. And then I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know what's going to happen. If I follow him, there will be victory. And then it's good. But I have to remind myself of that. Because my fear over, can overcome me sometimes. And it's about me. There's a comedian named Brian Regan. Have you ever heard of him? 
He's hilarious, super clean. And he has a, a sketch called the Me Monster. It's all about me. Rah, 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 rah. It's really funny. I'm not going to try and relive it for you. You can look it up on YouTube, but it's great. And it's truth, too. So the first thing we have to acknowledge is that if, we've give, if we say we're his, we've got to be his. Plain and simple. Because it's about lordship. Who has lordship over your life? You or him? If he does, then out of obedience, we've got to be intentional about growing. We have to be intentional about practicing. We should, as the church, exemplify this passage, what it looks like to move on to solid food. Because, you know, milk is good for a time, but if you keep, if you keep partaking in that your entire life, you're going to miss out. You know, it's interesting. If you watch, anybody watch ESPN? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, they've got these shows called 3030 or something like that where they give you these stories about people, these little quick documentaries about people, some you've never even heard of. Because it's these people that have capability and potential, but they, they never allow themselves to be stretched, so they never achieve what they could achieve because they're afraid. Now, fear takes many different shapes and sizes, okay? So it's not, you know, if it's about a football player, it's not because he's afraid to play. It could be other things. But do you know people like that in your life where you're like, why are you doing the same thing and not growing? Anybody? You're wasting it. It's right there. Jesus is right here. He's saying, step into me and watch how I use you. I created you for purpose. I created you to do things, and Scripture says, beyond what I did. Jesus says, you'll, you'll do things greater than what I did in my name. But how are we going to do that if we're stuck, if we're glued here because we're afraid to feel a little uncomfortable because of what it might mean? Guess what it means? Life, health, healing, wholeness, blessing, those kind of things always come out of who Jesus is, and he is in us. And so we need to be teachers of him, not by word, but by deed. I say this all the time here. People are tired of just hearing about Jesus. They need to see him. They need to see him. They need to see it, what it looks like to be stretched. They need to see it modeled in us. God gave me a very frightening call in my life, and he said, every time you preach, he said this to me when I was 18 years old, he said, every time you preach, you have to hang out your dirty laundry. I don't want to do that. I mean, who likes doing that? You have to, because then you know it's me that is in control. It's me that blesses. And it was a way for him to continue to teach me how to humble myself before him and so that it can be modeled. Now, I don't do a good job all the time. I don't. But as, as followers of Jesus, we have to model what it looks like to step out in faith, in the not knowing, except for one thing, we know that he's good and that he loves us and he's going to put us in the right place at the right time and be there every step of the way. We have that promise. We have that promise. And when we step out in faith and we say, I'm going to practice, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I want that, then we see the world change in the name of Jesus. People are terrified right now of what's happening in our society. 
people in the church are like, let's talk about politics. Let's talk about this. No, we don't need more politics. We need more Jesus. If we have Jesus, it changes the foundation of our politics. It changes the foundations of our fears and our struggles because he is in the midst and he's good and he wants to bless his people. But we have to exemplify what that looks like. If we don't, then the world's going to fall apart because we are the light of the world who carry the name of Jesus. We are. But we have to train ourselves up. We have to condition ourselves for the life God has called us into. And follow him all the way. Starts right here in this place. We're always going to try and try and try to model what it looks like in this room, in this time, in this place. So that Monday through Saturday, we all have an idea of what it takes, what we need to work on, and what we need to step into. And if we do that together, then we're being church because we're united in the name of Jesus. So we're going to have a time offering and, and prayer. And so I just want to take a pause for a second. I want you to ask the Lord, now what areas do I need to press into so that I can train myself up? What areas in my life do I need to step into? He's good. He's gracious. He loves us. He has purpose for us. But we have to embrace it and step into it. It's like that person that's got the, the winning lottery ticket and doesn't cash it in. You have Jesus. Cash it in. We need to cash it in. Because it's rich in blessing. As we prepare for the offering, I want to I remind us of this too. One of the things I know that I'm learning to press into that we all do is the money thing, right? <laughs> How many, how many get freaked out about money? Let's be honest. Ever in your life, right? And it's, it's difficult in the church talking about money because the church has abused it at times. But scripturally speaking, giving, whether it be money, whether it be time, what's precious to you, when you give back to the Lord, that's an act of worship. That's an act of worship. And we want to increase our faith in that. And I want to share this. A couple weeks ago, I shared a story that Shannon and I, our taxes return came back, and it was astronomical. We didn't know how it happened, and we like, we don't have that. And I'm not, I don't panic about money, but I panicked that day. I called Mark, and I panicked. I said, this is happening. I don't have the money. And Shanna sees me, and she sees that I'm panicking, knows that I don't normally panic, so she stopped panicking so that she could help me stop panicking. And we spent the entire week giving it to the Lord. Okay, Lord, how do we follow you into this? How do we trust you in this? Because we know you are good. And then a week later, we found out that there was a little error. And so where we thought we had to pour in all this money, we found out that we're actually getting it. And this is where I want to say to people that don't know Jesus, don't doubt my God. I've done it too much, and I've seen what he does. So we cannot be afraid about money. We cannot be afraid about our relationships. We can only follow Jesus into them and watch him provide. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm so thankful. I know, Lord, that right now you're breaking me in a good way. 
May we know, God, that we're not alone in our struggles. May we know that you are good. May we know that uh, you're patient with us. You're tender and you're gentle. And so I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us the strength to let go of the things we need to let go of so that we can be intentional about fully stepping in to who you are, training ourselves in the gifts that you have given us so that we may use them responsibly to edify the body, to expand the kingdom of God so people may know you. Give us courage in our giving. Give us courage in our relationships. May every decision that we make from here on out speak of how we trust you. You say, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And we claim that. We claim it, and may our lives reflect it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. My heart is overwhelmed And I cannot hear your voice I hold on to what is true Though I cannot see If the storms of life they come And the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will I remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free I am yours I am forever yours My heart is filled with hope And every promise comes my way When I feel your hands of grace Rest upon me Stay desperate for you, God Stay humbled at your feet I will lift these hands and praise I will believe And I remind myself And the life I have because of your son. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. And I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I see now. 
Yeah.